Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe podcast. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to our second to last session, healing through spirituality and spiritual connection. Um, so in this session, we have three different OM patients and they are Rabbi Laura Metzger, Reagan Lambert, and Katie Kimmel. And all of them, as you're going to see through their stories and through uh, how they share and just kind of the things that they are able to um, hopefully kind of draw some connections for all of them are uh, I guess just they practice in a spiritual way, like religiously or their spiritual practices all look different. So just keep that in mind. Um, our hope is to be able to convey that there's really no wrong answer here. If you find meaning and you find connection in some level of spirituality or some religious practices, that is something that is valuable and that you definitely um, have reason to hold on to throughout your diagnosis. So let me go ahead and introduce our speakers before we bring them up on live. First up, we have Rabbi Laura Metzger, and she is largely retired now, and she's provided spiritual leadership, pastoral care, counseling, and education in a variety of settings, including the synagogue, the hospital, long-term care facility, and religious school. Rabbi Metzger is well-known in Louisville as a vibrant teacher, particularly in the interreligious dialogue. Before enter entering the rabbinate, and I hope I'm saying that right, Rabbi Metzger had an extensive career in marketing and advertising with some of the world's leading businesses, among them Princess Cruises and Yume Brands. Rabbi will be joined by um, Reagan Lambert and Katie Kimmel. Reagan, um, Reagan Lambert was hired by Tom Landry in 1990 and began a 30-year career as the director of the Austin Central Texas Hill Country Fellowship of Christian Athletes, or the, the FCA. The Austin Central Texas Hill Country um, FCA covers 14 counties and 220 plus middle schools, high schools, colleges, and universities. He retired in June 2020. He is also an OM patient who recently shared his story on the I Believe podcast, episode 53, if you'd like to go and hear more of his story there. And of course, you'll hear a little bit of a synopsis or a summarized story here today. And Katie was actually a speaker that we had last year, and she is an MA and an LCPC. Um, and she is going to be discussing um, some insights on spirituality from, um, from her perspective. And she is also an ocular melanoma survivor and a clinical therapist with over 15 years of experience. She believes the greatest outcomes come from the most challenging circumstances, and that as adults, we can transform these experiences and challenges into profound learning. Her, her research focus uh, in her clinical studies has largely been on human flourishing, specifically eudaimonia, um, following tragic life experiences. Katie is uh, also an instructor of psychology at the North Idaho College and resides in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, with her two children, where she works as a trauma therapist. As a survivor, she volunteers as an advocate and fundraises for ocular melanoma patients. Her purpose is to assist her fellow survivors in living their absolute best and most meaningful lives. So let's go ahead and bring all of our panelists up on the screen so we can welcome them today. Thank you all for being here. Good morning. It's good to be here. Good morning. Okay, so... Um, I think what we're going to have, what we're going to have everybody do is we're going to kind of take some turns and I'm going to have you guys, if you can just share briefly, um, anything that you would like to speak to for maybe eight to 10 minutes, roughly. Um, and then we can go through a few questions that I have for you guys specifically. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go in order of who I see first. Um, so, and actually, I think this is actually alphabetical order if I can do my ABCs. <laughs> um, so Rabbi, I'm going to have you go first. And then uh, we're going to bring Katie and Reagan back down off the screen. And then we'll just have one person talking at a time. Um, and then, Rabbi, I can stay on with you if you'd like, and we can just have a chat, or I'll just let you go and present. It's up to you. 
I think, as I said to you yesterday, we'll go with the flow. Okay, sounds good. Well, I will be here in the background, but I'm going to go away for a minute and I'll just let you kind of talk briefly about your story and um, what you want to share today. Excellent. Uh, life never goes according to plan, as you all know. Our elderly dog, he's 17, just, he just had a big messy accident and fell into it. So a very quick dog bath later, here I am, a bit disheveled and damp. And if that doesn't distract from any of my own woes, I, I wonder what else might. It has been quite a week, uh, a work overload, relentless pain, scanxiety, all stuff you know all too well. But in my view, stress is not a good place to hang out. And fear is not a good companion. So I try not to stay there. Some of the methods in my life are probably familiar to you. In fact, we've been discussing some of them already this morning. Breathing, distraction, choosing who we spend time with. And then there's the frivolous reading, crossword puzzles, and for me, planning my garden and sketching whenever I can. Along with, and perhaps even more important than all of these is what I think of as my safe place. I don't have for it yet, maybe by the end of today, as you know, my title, Rabbi, I am steeped in Jewish life, in the language and the learning and the tradition. It's what I do. It's what I teach. And it's what I live. So what I'm going to say is from that language and that tradition learned there, but I leave that it has wisdom that transcends a religion, a language, a people. And I promise I'm not in Hebrew. I'm going to stay with English. There is a teaching in Judaism that one should say a hundred blessings a day. That sounds like a lot of praying. And indeed, it can be. But I think there are some things in here that are not only about prayer. First of all, 100 is a nice number, but we'll really sit there and count. Okay, I said one, I said two, I said I've got a whole lot more to go. No, it's really more a concept. So I want to tell you when I say the word blessing, to me, it is an expression of Oh my goodness, or even, oh, thank you. Wow, that's glorious. Or, oh my gosh, that's sad. That was delicious. That was solid or brilliant or puzzling beyond understanding. And then, and this is the most important part, recognizing the experience in the moment. The great 20th century rabbi, scholar, social justice activist, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, used the phrase radical amazement. Being in awe and knowing it, that we have the ability to know what we're experiencing experiencing and give words to what we or if not words, sounds. And that's what I mean by blessing. Certainly in a book, Judaism offers so many blessings. Here are a few. On rising in the morning, gratitude for the return of awareness. On leaving the bathroom, gratitude that the body works, on putting on your shoes, on new clothes, 
before eating and drinking in gratitude and in recognition that these are both pleasures and fruit of the season or something you've never tasted before is a blessing on seeing something beautiful there's a blessing on witnessing something intense like a storm there's a blessing on seeing a wise person or something really peculiar now these aren't what it means to find blessing popping up throughout the most ordinary day. You wake up and you're still breathing. You sit up, you're able to move your limbs. You smell coffee and toast and isn't toast one of the yummiest aromas around? And the sun is shining or it's not. It's snowing out there or it's not. The kids are not fighting, dream on. Where the kids have grown and have kids of their own. And here's wow in it. I know that. I am aware. I'm experiencing it all day long. So it's taken me many years to, to make this part of my life. It actually began with a decision long before I became a rabbi, decided to stop being grouchy. Uh, that is a project of a few years. And with the commitment, when the alarm went off in the morning, to turn it off and take one minute to feel how good it felt to lie there under the blanket. Well, that grew and that grew and that grew. And now I am so grateful that this is how I live my life. And so I invite you to, as we continue in this dialogue, to uh, grab a a cup of tea in a beautiful cup, a safe surrounding, the weather on the other side of the window, thank heaven. For many years, I was the rabbi for a Jewish nursing home, and I learned every day. And with that, let's move to the next part of this, Danae. Oh, I love that. And and that really, I mean, it, I think we talked about this a little bit yesterday during our tech check, but uh, it really brings to light, I think, some just the ways that our minds can go to make meaning, to make connection. And it doesn't have to be defined by a specific religion for it to be meaningful and for the spiritual you know, connection that happens. And I know that you've said spirituality is not really a word in your vocabulary, but, but it is in mine. Um, and so I think for me, one of my favorite, my favorite mantras, I guess, is what it is, is to say like, I'm here today and I'm going to be here tomorrow because I know, I know I'm here today and I, and I'm trusting that tomorrow will happen. Um, and just that little mantra of like, okay, it, it helps me be more present and more grateful for the day and to be more, you know, in tune with what's actually happening on the day to day. Um, so let's go ahead and bring, um, who's up next? Let's go ahead and bring Katie up next, if that's okay. Hi. Hi, Katie. How are so, you? So I'm good. How are you? I'm well, and I can't believe that you're already active and after your surgery, and I think you're amazing. Well, thank you. Um, I feel pretty good. I've had, you know, some waves. I think anyone who's had their eye enucleated can relate to like, there's kind of a period of time um, where you just have to adjust. Um, and I didn't think I'd have to adjust as much since I was already blind in one eye and I was, I was mistaken. I still had some adjusting to do. Um, but it's been, I mean, it's been generally better than I, than I thought it would be. So I'm grateful for that. Um, so can you tell us just briefly a little bit about, um, your story, like just so that we can recap uh, a little bit of your diagnosis and then kind of maybe where you were in your life spiritually. Cause I know you and I kind of have a little bit of a similar um, experience there, but also you had kind of redefined your spirituality in some ways before your diagnosis where I have been redefining it in the midst of my diagnosis. So I feel like there's some, some differences there for sure. Yes. Um, so I was diagnosed, um, about five years ago, and I was diagnosed with the most aggressive form 
of ocular melanoma. So I feel really, really lucky to be um, on this panel today. So I am um, um, free of metastasis and um, I have, I, I feel very humbled to be on this panel because I don't really think of myself as someone who um, is necessarily spiritual or religious. And so I gave this a lot of thought. Um, and the rabbi was so eloquent in her speaking, so it's difficult to follow to follow up after her. But um, just a little bit of history. So I was um, raised in Utah uh, as a Mormon, and my family um, shortly after uh, became Catholic. So I went to Gonzaga to get my, my clinical degree mm -hmm. and become a therapist. And I think that I'm probably, um, I, I think that probably a lot of people can relate to having some spiritual religious crises in their lives and having to, like Danae said, redefine um, their spirituality, their religion. And um, I was doing my internship with children who had been sexually abused. And that was around the time that um, there was a controversy in the Catholic Church with the priests um, who um, had been abusing children. And so that's, I think, when I had a spiritual crisis and um, decided that I needed to rethink my own spirituality or religion. Um, so I think that when I think of spirituality, um, I don't necessarily know that I believe in any sort of deity or worship any deity, but if there is a, a God, my guess is that that God would want me to be a servant to people. And I think that the, the best way to do that is to help um, the people who are most in need. And so I specialize in trauma and um, the introdu introduction was a bit dated because I've been a therapist for a little over 20 years now. So um, I work with individuals, mostly adults who have experienced severe psychological trauma. Um, and I think that what comes closest to a spiritual breakthrough for me is uh, listening, ha being, having the honor to hear people's um, tragic stories. Um, and I think that what comes the closest to feeling um, spiritual for me is watching my clients have breakthroughs and seeing them heal from what they've been through. And um, I just feel really privileged to be able to work with individuals who um, have had really, really difficult life experiences. So as far as spirituality goes, I think my definition is a, a servant to others. And I absolutely love what I do. Um, so I'm also a PhD student. And like Danae said, my focus is human flourishing. And I don't want to focus on post-traumatic um, symptoms. I want to focus on post-traumatic growth. So what happens with individuals who go through tragedy in their lives and um, rather than become depressed and uh, weak, you know, and I think our Western model of, med of medicine is, is post-traumatic stress and focusing on the symptoms that come from trauma instead of the amazing growth that uh, is possible. So my research is with our ocular melanoma population. Um, and uh, what I've learned from them has been amazing. And one of the commonalities that they all had, those who had experienced post-traumatic growth, is some sort of spirituality. Um, some sort of belief system. And interestingly enough, when I talk about my own religious crisis, I think when I was diagnosed, I really had a lot of questions. 
um, and I was honestly preparing for my death. So I wanted to um, do some research and what resonated most with me was Buddhist principle. And I started studying Buddhism and um, really, really connected and um, kind of found a belief system, which was really comforting to me because I um, had spent a lot of my life, honestly, um, with a lot of questions and wanting to understand and wanting to be part of something and wanting to have a larger belief system. So Buddhism is what resonated with me. And I know that um, a lot of individuals find peace in meditation and mindfulness. And um, like the rabbi was talking about gratitude um, and, and um, being grateful for every moment. And I think that's what I've learned throughout this journey was just being grateful for the little things and um, for my friends and my family. So I was lucky enough, and my mom is probably watching right now. I have a great family. So um, I was lucky enough to be raised in a home where my mom allowed me um, to explore a different belief system and think for myself. And um, I know not a lot of people have that opportunity. I mean, I grew up in a, in a place where you're expected to be a certain religion and it's part of your culture. And um, there's a lot of backlash if you're not part of that. So um, just really grateful that I have the family and the mom that I do who let me um, really just explore my own belief system. So um, yes, that's a little bit of my journey. Wonderful. Katie, thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I love, I love what you talked about as well as like with your research, how one of the common threads of the people who have had post-traumatic growth through this diagnosis specifically is that they have been able to kind of hold on to some kind of a spiritual practice. And like you said, that, that looks different for everyone. For some people, it's going to be meditation. For some people, it's going to be really um, diving into religious practices, maybe reading your Bible or reading some kind of a scriptural um, text that brings you comfort and brings you um, peace. And and I think one of the, the biggest things for me that I'm realizing is that it's not even necessarily just the practices. Sometimes it's the belief. It's that belief and that, that level of, uh, of belief and faith in something greater than ourselves, right? Something bigger than just our current circumstances that helps us um, I guess, just kind of believe that there's maybe there's some kind of a purpose to life as we know it in this moment and that the circumstance really doesn't change that. There's still a big purpose. There's still an, uh, I guess, a, a good ending, whether that ending happens the way we expect it to or not. Um, and I think that that's, that's been really powerful for me. Um, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to, so I think if anything, um, I bring a little bit of real life and authenticity to, to uh, whenever I talk about um, my journey. So uh, one of the things that I found as part of this healing process is grieving is probably one of the most important stage, you know, processes to go through and grieving is messy and it's not always, you know, in very distinct stages. It can look different for everybody. And for me, it was, you know, four years later, it was delayed grief. And my, you know, I, when I found out that I had cancer, I was like, all right, what can I accomplish next? I'll get my doctorate, um, you know, and kind of dove in head first. And then four years <laughs> later, actually came to terms with um, and dealt with my diagnosis. So I think most people believe that it's this very neat process of stages and we're supposed to be strong and look a certain way. And I just really want to emphasize that human beings were meant to be flawed and um, there's nothing neat and there's really nothing um, structured about this grieving process. For me, it was, um, there were some real ugly times for me and there were some amazing times for me and I have my support system, my family and my friends and I lost and I lost friends along the way. But um, I think we're human and part of part of being human and growing is changing and um, learning 
and messing up, making a lot of mistakes along the way. And I think um, unless you have had the opportunity to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes, I don't know that it's possible to grow spiritually. So. Um, okay, there we go. Um, well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing. And before we bring everybody back together, I'm actually going to bring Reagan back up and we're going to let him kind of share a little bit of his insights um, and kind of his journey and his process. So let's go ahead and bring Reagan back up. Hello. Morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Of course. Um, so Reagan, do you want to just briefly, um, briefly just kind of cover a little of your story, but, um, I really want you to just, you know, if you can just focus in on the things that, that have helped you, um, that are maybe part of your spiritual practice or your belief system that have really grounded you in this diagnosis. Sure. Uh, 2016, <clears throat> it happened as an adult. So I was 62 years old and found out about the cancer and the tumor through a regular, um, visit with my optometrist. And uh, when I was on the podcast with you earlier, you went and went through all the details of it, but basically uh, found out about the tumor, uh, decided to go to uh, Philadelphia. For, I live in Texas, decided to go to Philadelphia to Dr. Shields for treatment. And so for five years, uh, we went back and forth to Philly and, and uh, Dr. Sato and Dr. Shields and, uh, the tumor uh, was small and really on the outside of or further away from the, the nerve. And so it was able to be killed through the plaque process and I didn't lose any, uh, any vision. And the uh, prognosis is like we all have. I'm getting scans now uh, t once a year and uh, to look for the metastasis, but uh, nothing has happened with the tumor coming back. And uh, so again, like everyone else, and it doesn't have to be, to me, it's not cancer. I mean, I have, uh, I've had asthma my entire life. I, when I, uh, 63 years old, uh, during a regular physical, found out I had blood sugar problems and then found out I was a type one diabetic. I was not overweight. I didn't have any other symptoms except that my pancreas decided to stop producing uh, insulin. And so now I'm on a, a, a pump and uh, have to take mealtime insulin and have to watch it all the time and have to change it out. And it's part of my life now. Uh, so the cancer to me was, it was it's very scary. And I'd never heard of, as we talked about, I'd never heard of ocular melanoma until it happened. Uh, but in my life, it's just been, uh, it's just been another obstacle or hurdle to, to deal with. Uh, as far as my faith goes, I, uh, was raised, uh, in a Christian home. Uh, I tell people as a joke that I had a drug problem growing up and my mother and dad drugged me to church every time the doors were open. And that was really true, but uh, at some point in time, you make, or at least I did, I made the decision that the faith that I saw in my uh, parents and grandparents was going to be my faith. And I didn't, I wasn't coerced into it. I didn't, uh, they didn't force me into it. It was a decision that I made at an early age, probably 10 years old. And I'm 67, so for 57 years, this faith has been a part of my life and I can't separate it. I'm not a, uh, ocular melanoma, uh, survivor that happens to be a Christian. In my mind, I'm a Christian who happens to have had eye cancer and diabetes and asthma. And it's just part of, part of life. Uh, you know, if, if we're above ground, uh, we're going to be dealing with things in our lives uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And so I'm happy that I'm above ground and I'm happy that I have the opportunity to do this with you. It's one of the other things we talked about that the things that happened to me in my life and in the ministry that I was in, uh, I, I truly believe are not, <clears throat> excuse me, always about me. 
they're about my ability to relate and maybe minister to other people. It's not something I would choose. And we talked uh, about the lady that founded Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. And uh, before she founded that, she had no desire to get involved in that organization. It wasn't until one of her children was killed by a drunk driver that she decided to to start uh, MAD. But just look at uh, the what has come out of that uh, nationally, maybe even internationally, how she's been able to impact people. And uh, we haven't eradicated drunk driving, but uh, they've, they've had a lot to do with uh, maybe reducing it. And so the idea that that me having ocular melanoma is just about poor old me, you know, I'm not going to be able to deal with that. And I'm going to go into a, a cave or a cocoon and, and I'm not going to be able to, to deal with life that, that never entered my mind. And I really wanted, and, and that's, I, I told you that you're a, you know, you're a hero in my mind uh, because you haven't had it that long. You've lost your eye. You've dealt with the highs and lows, but yet you're in the fight, you know, and that's uh, to me, that's pretty cool. And I want to be in the fight for as long as I have the opportunity to fight. Um, Also uh, the old and new Testament in the Bible are filled with things and I could talk about them all day but I only have a certain amount of time. But in the Old Testament, it talks about, the Bible talks about not fearing, uh, not to be afraid. It talks about being strong and courageous. And now we don't always, we can't do this by ourselves, but in my uh, spiritual walk, uh, God and uh, his word and his people have been there for me uh, through everything, whether it was, a loss of a job or deciding whether to go into ministry or deciding who the heck am I going to get to deal with my ocular melanoma? Am I going to go to MD Anderson, which is two and a half hours from where I live, or am I going to go to Philadelphia? And how that all came about, I think I explained it all, but it was all through prayer. Uh, It was all through God opening up doors and me walking through them. And like both uh, ladies before me, uh, the support system that you have, is 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 huge and mine is no different i i have a uh, a group of uh people that were with me in ministry i have people that i've known my whole life i have former pastors former uh, people that i was in church with different churches uh and they're all there for you and they all help you not to fear and they all help me to be strong and courageous and I also know that life, this life that we have is not guaranteed. I have today, but the Bible's pretty clear that I don't, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, and I don't believe any of us are. And so I need to do what I can do today, and I'm res- that's all I'm responsible for. And uh, I'm just thankful to you, Danae, and to the, the whole Curran site for the opportunity that you presented us but also how people that are going through this in the beginning stages, I didn't have this and I didn't know about you guys, but it, it's a real blessing to me. And however I can help you in the future or however I can reach out to any person that's had it or is experiencing problems, I'm happy to do it. Uh, and thank you for, for what you're doing. As I said, you're a hero to me for being in the fight. Thank you so much for being here with us again. Um, And I know we have your podcast episode up. And so, like I said, episode 53, you guys can tune in and you can hear more of Reagan's story directly. Um, And he does talk quite a bit um, about his journey and just the things that, that were um, circumstances that led to all of, all of the things that have happened in his diagnosis. And it's pretty neat to listen to. So um, thank you guys all for being here. Um, I want to just kind of recap as we bring you guys all back on screen and just kind of share what I took away um, from the majority of all of your different, um, I guess, insights. So um, the first thing that I got is, you know, let's look for those wow moments, as as Rabbi Laura said. Um, And those wow moments, they don't have to be these big things in our life. They don't have to be gigantic, significant events. They can be as simple as holding a cup of tea and feeling grateful for that 
warm cup of tea in your hands that's keeping your fingers cold or warm because you were cold and maybe you were outside at you know somebody's soccer game like like me i was very cold it was so cold you guys it's arizona i don't know what's wrong also side note i just realized i said we were going to go alphabetical order and then i i didn't go alphabetical order because abc's has k first so i apologize i should have been corrected oh you think you should have been first r goes first oh that's true my last name that's true. If we were going by last name, you would have been first. But anyway, uh, I digress. They were. Um, but those pockets of joy, those wow moments, um, everybody calls them something different, right? But just finding those little things that you can focus on, that you can really sit with. Um, I have a, a life coach that I had who he said, like, take a mental picture. Like when something good happens, like take a mental picture and capture that moment. Like don't don't stress about capturing it on your phone with your, you know, capturing a picture. Uh, but just capture it and really just like soak it in uh, because those moments are the things that I think really make life worth living. Um, I think Brene Brown says there's twinkle lights and that the twinkle lights are really like the definition or the essence of joy. And the twinkle lights aren't, they're not big flashy, you know, stage lights. They're just twinkles. They're little things that over time build up and they create this beautiful uh, picturesque kind of an environment like Christmas tree lights or, you know, like those kinds of lights, those kinds of little lights. And they all come together to really, I think, make life more meaningful. So that was my first takeaway is those pockets of joy, those wow moments. Um, the second thing is, like Katie mentioned, um, finding ways that you can be of service. That, that can really, as part of a, a, a kind of a spiritual background or just growing up in a place where you maybe have, have experienced times and opportunities where you've had to serve in your religious community and then translating that desire to serve from not just your religious community, but to the world around you. And I think Reagan has also done this as well, where you you look for, okay, this is my experience. How can I go out and how can I make this better for somebody else? Um, and then what Reagan had mentioned, I think was really important was, um, making something meaningful and just really assigning purpose to what are you going through right now and dictating, you know, through your own definition, um, really assigning purpose to what is happening in your life. And instead of letting that circumstance define you, you define how it looks moving forward. And I think that's so powerful. Um, so I did want to ask you guys just as a general, like kind of one by one question. And before I ask these questions, I am going to just pose to the audience for those of you listening, if you guys have any practices that you feel have helped you in finding meaning, um, if you can drop those in the chat and I will gladly share some of those, um, on our live stream, if you guys have any of those that you'd like to share with the audience. So just things that have been meaningful and helpful to you, whether it's spiritual and religious practices, um, or otherwise. Um, so go ahead and drop those in the chat. I'll come back to those in a few minutes. But my first question to you guys, um, and I'll start with uh, Rabbi Laura, is over time with your diagnosis, has anything in the way that you um, that you practice, the way that you have kind of made sense of the world, has anything changed um, that you attribute kind of as being like that shift caused by your diagnosis? The piece of my life that makes that hard to answer is so much changed at the same time. So most of my work life was going away because of closing agencies and such. And my daughter grew up and went away. And there were so many things changing that it's hard to say which was influencing which, but I would say on the whole, the most profound difference is it don't take everything so seriously now. I love that. That's now, I know it might sound opposite. It might sound backwards, but when you know that life is going to end and you accept that, and as I said, I worked in a nursing home. I know life is going to end, but each little thing isn't so important anymore. So I'm actually a lot calmer and funnier as a human being than I was before. I love that. Thank you. Um, Katie, what about you? 
do you feel like this diagnosis, um, and I know you, you kind of alluded to, you had this delayed period of, of grief of like kind of really dealing with and grieving life before your diagnosis to currently, and it happened for you four years later. And like you said, grief doesn't have a timeline. Um, we all experience it in different ways and at different times, but, um, what do you feel like has been your experience? Um, what didn't change when I was diagnosed, everything, my world was turned upside down and it was, it was horrifying. It was, it was, honestly, it felt like I was in a nightmare when I was first diagnosed. Um, but after, um, going through this grieving process and, really, really paying attention to the things that matter and trying to be my most authentic self. Um, I just really, really wanted to help people. That's all I've ever really wanted to do. And I wanted to um, be really good at that. And so I think that my career path is um, my form of spirituality. And I think that I just really, well, I remember thinking, every single person I come in contact with, I want to make some sort of difference, some sort of difference in their good difference. Even if it's little, every person that I come into contact with. So, you know, I, my clients, hopefully I'm making a big difference in their lives. But even when I go through the McDonald's drive-through, I want to make sure that I'm complimenting the, the McDonald's worker and that I am um, just grateful for everybody and um, whether I know them or not. So, so yeah, I think that when we talk about what changes, everything changes. Yeah, that's such a good point. Everything such changes. a good point. Um, and I like what you said about just doing, doing something every day to be intentionally um, just trying to make a small difference in anyone and everyone's life that you come in contact with. And I feel like that can make a really big, that can make a really big difference in the way that you carry yourself, um, as a human being, because you know, how many times are we driving, right? We're just driving and somebody's honking and somebody's flipping somebody off out the window. And it's just like, kind of like what rabbi said, like, don't take it so seriously. Like, did you know I'm blind on one side? I'm driving and you're mad at me, but like, you don't know I'm blind. So like, you probably wouldn't want to be driving next to me anyway. Did you know that? Um, you also probably would have a little more compassion for my driving and me being slow. Did, you know, were you aware of what was actually going on on the other side of the window? Um, but I think just that idea that, that anything that we do big or small can leave an imprint on the world around us. I think that's really, um, for me, that's, that's impactful and that's helpful. And that makes me, um, I think, take more care in how I carry myself in public places, in interactions with friends. And, and I, try to be really, really more calm with my children, but my children are little and life is hard sometimes. <laughs> so full disclosure, I am not a perfect mom. Um, anyway. Um, okay. So Reagan, what about you? What do you feel like, um, has anything changed or do you feel like this is all just kind of really, um, fit, fit into, I think I like what you said about how you're not a, uh, I think I'm going to get it backwards. You're not an ocular melanoma patient who's a Christian. You're a Christian who happens to have ocular melanoma. I thought that was really, really unique. Right. And I, I got that from, from the ministry that I was in, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So we had the, everything was the sports vernacular. So we used to say that I'm not a, uh, base, a baseball player who happens to be a Christian. I'm a Christian who happens to play baseball. And I'm sorry, I really believe that I can't separate who I am from what I do and Mm -hmm. people that would want me as a baseball player to check my faith at the door. When I walk in the locker room, I just wasn't able to do that. And I don't think that's right. Uh, we're not supposed to, to, uh, we're not supposed to leave that part of our lives out. I don't think anyway, uh, what changed, what changed, uh, besides the scary, crazy, scary part of, possibly losing your eye and it, excuse me, metastasizing to uh, liver and lungs and those kind of things. Outside of that, uh, the only thing that changed for me, and we talked about this earlier, is just my ability, I think, to be more empathetic towards others and also the desire to pay things forward to other people too, because I've, like I said, I've had asthma, I had diabetes, but nobody really 
freaked out when I got those. Uh, but when I told them about this eye tumor, uh, most people were pretty freaked out about it, like I was, because I didn't know about it. And they'd never heard of it. They thought melanoma was on your skin, you know, and that's what I thought as well. Uh, but the chances and the opportunities that it's given me to be more empathetic to others. And it's funny to, for a person who was in full-time ministry for 30 years to say that they needed empathy. Uh, it's maybe not funny. It might be sad to some people, but uh, I really needed in ministry. It didn't mean I was perfect in every area of my life. And I really needed that, I think. And then the ability to pay things forward to people who, and, and I'm, I mentioned this to you, I, I'm going to owe people prayers and uh, dinners and meals and transportation for the rest of my life because of what people did and came alongside uh, me. And then I told you that my wife, uh, three or four months ago, was diagnosed with breast cancer. So we went through two of those surgeries in order to get clear margins. And so we, again, had people praying, had people bringing food had people offering to take us places. And so that's the biggest uh, change in my life is just to be able to empathize with other people that are dealing with things that I might not have, I don't want to say cared about, but didn't, didn't uh, touch me like it does now, but also the ability to reach out to others and offer whatever kind of help. Uh, Katie said service, whatever kind of service uh, that I can offer, I want to be able to do that. And uh, that's important to me. And I think we're all called to do that. We're all called to make uh, uh, the people in our lives uh, make it better for them. And if we have the ability to make it better for a community or a state or a nation, obviously we can do that, like you're doing with a cure insight. Well, thank you, Reagan. Um, and I would I would venture to guess that all three of you, as a result of the varying different levels of service and meaning that you found through, um, you know, through your spiritual connection, through through um, the way that you practice and live your life. Um, I would venture to say that you found a lot of meaning and a lot of purpose and a lot of, um, I guess, just I would I would say peace maybe on some level of just feeling like you're you're here and you're doing what you feel um, called to do, what you feel meant to do, and. Mm -hmm. And that you're willing to continue on that path, um, despite you know the obstacles that may continue to come up, because you you understand that they will keep coming up. Um, so as we end, do you guys, each of you, do you have anything you'd like to say in closing, just briefly? I guess we'll start with Rabbi. There's something I didn't say earlier that I do. That is also part of my my practice and my awareness, and and it although it comes out of religious texts and I could probably give a sermon about it, it's the realization that every time I inhale, I am taking in whatever it is that, that I understand to be the holiness, the wholeness, the integrity of the world. And every time I breathe out, I'm putting that back into the world. It's a way of viewing life as this continual interaction with whether we have a name for it like God, whether we have a, a, a sense of it like nature, whatever it is, we are in continual interaction with it as long as we live. So this too is part of how I think about existence and my place in existence, that as long as I'm breathing, I am part of all of this and the sun is shining. And it's Louisville, Kentucky in January, and it's going to be 57 degrees today, which is wacky but glorious. I love it. Love it. Well, thank you again, and thank you for sharing one of your little wow moments with us right here. That was great. Um, I hope the warm weather continues or continues frequently. <laughs> it's supposed to go down to 18 later uh, this week. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it while it's happening. Uh, yes. That's that's <laughs> the lesson I'm going to leave with and I'm going to mute now. Okay. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for being with us. All right, Katie, um what about you? Do you have anything you'd like to say in closing? Um I usually talk a lot about eudaimonia and I haven't said a word about it, but that was a term that I learned um in my PhD program and 
It is about uh, developing your skills and your talents um, and doing that in a way that you can be of service to others. And um, I think that I really learned through this diagnosis, which has been a really weird gift in a lot of ways, that I have a responsibility to be the best person that I can be. And um, and I know that the, the skill that I, I don't even know if this is a skill, I was, I was blessed with the ability to just love people regardless. And so that's something that I just really want to continue to do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie, for being here with us. Um, Reagan, what about you? Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Well, <clears throat> I'd like to say to Katie that being able to love people is a huge blessing. Uh, I wasn't always able to do that. And it's a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Uh, but like I said, this that I've been through has allowed me the opportunity to maybe be a little bit more loving and caring. Uh, with regard to spirituality, which is what we were talking about, my faith is is the most important thing and i we talked about uh doctors and we talked about uh, scientists and things being created and i believe that god put those people in place to to uh, to work with us and we trust our lives to them in a lot of ways but in my faith uh i believe that god is in control of what's going on in my life i believe that and even though I fear, I know that he tells me not to. And even though I'm weak and don't have courage, sometimes he tells me that I need to be strong and courageous. And the number one thing, Danae, is that I know that ultimately I will be healed of every sickness, of every disease uh, when, I, uh, when I end up in eternity. So uh, it's going to be a little hard down here and it's inconvenient and I don't like having a pump for diabetes and I don't like having to have scans, but I believe that ultimately uh, God will heal me and uh, of any disease or any sickness or any emotional problems that I have. And I'm looking forward to that. I love that. Thank you so much. All of you. Um, this has been, I think like Rabbi uh, said in the chat, this has been just very inspiring. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye to you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for taking your time and for honoring us with uh, your stories and your, um, your insights. We're so grateful for you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast brought to you by Castle Biosciences. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.